You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we'll talk playoffs, what the Jets can learn from round one, Plus, more coaching talk and a look ahead to the draft. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, hope you guys are doing good, had a good week, and are pumped for the weekend ahead here with golf courses opening and actual sun outside. How could you not be? And on top of it all, we got first round NHL action, the best part of the NHL playoffs, in my opinion. And man, do we ever have some beauties lined up here. I mean, the main thing that the entire hockey world is talking about is the fact that the Leafs well, yet again, have to go and win a Game 7 to slay their first-round demons after another all-time matchup, losing ultimately in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning Thursday night. The funny thing about the way Toronto's played right now and everything is that Toronto is playing their asses off. <laughs> like, they are battling, they're playing hard, they're... You could make the case they're outplaying Tampa Bay right now. It's just these individual mistakes here and there that's cost them. But it means jack squat because you you blew a 3-1 lead against Montreal. And, and you blew a chance to beat a Blue Jackets team that was a heavy underdog against you. And, you know, we go on and on with all their first-round exits. This is the best they've played, in my opinion. And it won't even matter if they blow it again on Saturday night in Game 7. So it's been a tremendous, tremendous series. And I love it so much just because of the storylines and the pressure that's involved in all this. And, you know, you want to talk about pressure, you know, basically an opportunity to rewrite the narrative and maybe even start to write your legacy in Toronto. That's what's on the line for the Leafs players, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, etc. in that Game 7 matchup Saturday night. But on the other side, there is absolutely zero pressure on Tampa Bay headed into that match, right? Like, they are playing with house money, you know, for a, for a champion defending their crown. I don't know if you'll ever see a team play with less pressure on their backs than Tampa Bay will be going into that one, knowing that, you know, the further that clock ticks towards zero, and that game is either tied or in Tampa's favor, they've got the leaves right where they want them. So I'm, I'm jacked for that one. But there's been a bunch of great matchups so far in the first round. And that's where I kind of want to start this episode off. 
because, look, there's still a lot of off-season to get to here. We'll talk about personnel and then things like that. We'll get to coaching later on in the episode, too, by the way. But, you know, just flipping through all these games, and again, great job by the NHL to do the time staggers here so I can actually get a chance to watch each and every series, is you get a sense of what the best teams in the NHL have and how teams outside the playoff picture, a.k.a. the Winnipeg Jets, can learn and and improve on and try to find and, and pick pieces from their games and their rosters and adapt it to yours, right? Essentially, what can the Winnipeg Jets learn and take away from what we've seen so far in the first round of the NHL playoffs? I mean, the obvious one right off the bat is just the fact that every team still playing right now has a defensive structure and is difficult to break down and score against, right? Like that that's the we don't I don't think we necessarily have to get too into that. Everybody knows in Winnipeg that's issue numero uno for the Winnipeg Jets going into next year. But like even just watching the, the Tampa Bay Toronto series and how good the Lightning are inside their own end, they've got way I mean, the Jets are skilled. The Lightning have more skill than Winnipeg does, and yet they play such a good defensive game. And the thing that stands out to me watching Tampa play is they are in every shooting lane and Toronto has to work and work and work just to get a puck towards the net. That's something that clearly has not been here in Winnipeg for a long, long time. So the defensive side of things, that's an obvious one. I I don't necessarily want to get too in-depth into that. But Two things have really stood out to me watching some of these other teams so far in the postseason. The main things that I think Winnipeg needs to address going into next season. And one of them is something that I think is kind of already available to the organization. Like They don't necessarily have to make a bunch of changes to do this. But that's just the fact that the best teams in the NHL right now are so freaking deep up front. The, the the whole top six, bottom six thing is dead. And if you're still employing that mindset, your team is dead too. Like, I, I'm sorry. It's just you, you look up and down all these teams. And I don't even think necessarily, I mean, you could make the case some of these teams are just top 12s, right? Like, there's not even necessarily a divide anymore. There's just so much skill and production from all these teams third and fourth lines and Toronto's a great example of that where you have guys like Spezza and and Blackwell and Andre Kasha who would be a be a second liner on a lot of teams never mind a third liner right I mean Tampa Bay and and Corey Perry Corey Perry's kind of turned into the ultimate fourth liner for any contending team somebody that could put up you know 30 points very easily in a in a role where he's not going to get as much ice time as he's used to. Florida is throwing out, I mean, Mason Marchman's a point-of-game guy on their third line. Dennis Mulligan's look great on the fourth line for Florida so far. Just up and down all of these teams. You can't have any scrubs on your third or fourth lines. Like, it's, it's just that simple. And we know that the Winnipeg Jets have loaded up their top six and it's led to very, very minimal, if any, success over these past few years. And and that's the mindset that's got to change with this team. Now, the, the good thing is, as opposed to some of the other problems, you know, the, the, the Jets have in-house solutions here, right? It's it's about spreading the depth. It's making Paul Stasny a, a, a quote-unquote third-line center as opposed to a second-line winger. 
It's elevating guys like, you know, Jansen Harkins and Morgan Barron and Evgeny Svechnikov higher up into the lineup so you can spread the wealth around and, and have maybe a Nikolai Ehlers and maybe a Blake Wheeler on your third, right? Like just little things like that. The Jets can find a way to do it, but it takes a bit of a shift organizationally for them to kind of fully commit to doing that. But that's one of the one of the main things that stands out the most to me is just how deep all these teams are. And, and they're getting so much production from their bottom six. It's something that's killed the Jets these past couple of seasons specifically. Now, things that are going to be a little more difficult for the Jets to take away or at least find ways to improve on, I think a big one too is speed. You know, watching Tampa Bay and Toronto fly all over the ice I don't think the Winnipeg Jets can keep up with those teams. I mean, Kyle Connor and, and Nikolai Ehlers individually can. And, and, you know, Dubois moves good for a big guy as well. Like, the Jets do have some individual speedsters. I still don't think they have enough on their roster. But I also think they need to play faster as well. And And being a fast team doesn't necessarily mean having 12 burners out there. But if you move the puck efficiently and you come up the ice together as a five-man unit, then you're able to play faster than the sum of your parts. You know what I mean? Like that, That's kind of a minor thing, but it's also a major thing, right? Where playing slow is almost like a sign of dysfunction or a lack of a cohesive unit out there. And I think that's what the Jets have fallen victim to, and, and maybe more so this season than in years past. I think it's a little bit of both where they need to find some added speed up and down their roster, but they also need to play together better and move up, move up the ice as a five-man unit and track back as a five-man unit. And they'll maybe ultimately look like a faster team that way. But the other thing, again, and, and it really, really shows up more so in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. But man, oh man. Would it be nice for the Jets to have that, no doubt about it, number one blue liner that you can lean on time and time again in situations up against the other team's best players? And look, you're not going to find a Victor Hedman. It would, it would be nice, but, but that guy's not out there. But you just watch him play for Tampa, and he's this force out there on the ice, right? Like he's He influences and impacts the games in so many different ways. And, and maybe to a lesser extent, right? Like you watch the Blues Wild Series. Colton Preko's having himself a, a, a whale of a matchup in that one. Like the way he's been able to elevate his game has given the Blues a major, major boost. But, you know, going back to Tampa to have a guy like Hedman running the show. But then Ryan McDonough is on your second pair. And, and he's doing a lot of the a lot of the dirty work behind the scenes. Like that that's the, the trickle-down effect of having a stud number one guy like that, right? Is that if you if you have that guy to allow Ryan McDonough to potentially feast as a second pair defenseman, it's it's massive for your team. And, and look at the rest of the clubs, right? Kale McCarr went, went absolutely supernova and almost single-handedly carried Colorado past Nashville in four games with 10 freaking points in that one. You know, Ekblad and Uyghur out there in Florida. The list just kind of goes on and on, right? I mean, the the only team that's kind of done it by committee so far, I think, would be the Calgary Flames. And again, there's that, you know, Jets-Flames comparison. But, you know, even then, I, I would argue Noah Hannafin is kind of turning himself into a number one defenseman. 
that's going to be the thing that really can elevate this Jets team and take them to the next level. How do you find that guy? Well, again, that's that's going to be that's going to be the major subplot of this offseason once the coach is figured out and once the Mark Shifley situation is figured out. The one nice part about that though is you know, going into this season, if you would have asked me, can Josh Morrissey be that guy for the Jets? I would have said no way. That he's just a nice support piece. But after the season that Josh Morrissey had, you know what, maybe it is possible that he could take another step forward next year and, you know, not be a, a headman or a Macar or a Fox or anybody like that, but but maybe he's in the Morgan Riley mold, right? And then you have some some nice depth pieces behind him and, and you feel good with your three pairs out there, right? Like maybe that's the path to success for the Winnipeg Jets. I would still like to go big game hunting and bring somebody in. So that you're in a perfect spot with, you know, guys like Morrissey and Pionk in more complementary positions. But that was, you know, one of the few silver linings of this awful Winnipeg season is the fact that, hey, maybe Josh Morrissey could be a top pair guy on a championship team. But that's that's one of the elements that I think has been missing since Dustin Bufflin left. And we're seeing that as the playoffs bear out here is, man, oh, man, you don't necessarily need it. We've seen, you know, Pittsburgh and Carolina in the past. 20 years or so, win a Stanley Cup without a number one stud guy, but it sure as hell makes all the difference in the world when you have them. And and that would be number one on my personnel wish list this offseason is for the Jets to go ahead and find that guy. So when you take a look at the first round as a whole and, and what the Jets can learn from it, you know, the obvious one, again, is going to be the defensive structure and, and playing better in their own half of the ice. But if we just push that one aside, getting faster, spreading the wealth up front and trying to find a number one defenseman. If that's the checklist there, the fortunate part is that the Winnipeg Jets can do a lot of that in-house, right? It's It just comes down to an organizational mindset shift with how they deploy their forwards. You can find speed, and I, I think that's a, a pretty easy remedy for the Winnipeg Jets to correct. The defenseman, that's a bit of a bigger issue, but... You know what? If, if Toronto could do it with Morgan Riley, maybe the Jets can do it with Josh Morrissey. The nice part is the Jets aren't crazy, crazy far off from finding a way to get into the mix and improving on those and reaching the level of some of these playoff teams next season, right? Like the Jets have the hard part, the, the hardest part figured out, which is finding high in skill. It's just tinkering around those edges and finding the right mix. That is going to be Kevin Sheveldayoff's biggest issue and, and potentially the head coach's biggest issue as well going into game one of next year. Now, I mentioned coaches there. We'll touch on that quickly as Trot's watch continues here at Winnipeg for the next few weeks, as well as we finally found out where the Winnipeg Jets will be drafting. I, I guess in late June, early July, whenever the draft is, we'll take a look at some names for you to keep an eye on as well. But before we do all that... I think it's time we give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. And if you've missed it so far, get in on the action right now because new customers have an unbelievable offer on the table. If you bet $5 on any team to win, you get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. So you can bet 5 bucks on the Leafs to win Game 7. And you don't have to stress out whatsoever because you're getting 100 bucks your way in free bets either way. It's the ultimate win-win situation, unless you're a Leafs fan. 
A reminder, too, that DraftKings also offers free daily contests as well where you can win money if Sportsbook is not available just yet in your state or province. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. So let's talk coaching quick, then we'll go to the draft, and then we'll wrap things up and, and call it a week here at Skates and Plates. You know, and, and thank you, by the way, for anybody that, that reached out to me about some of their potential coaching names and, and candidates that the Winnipeg Jets could look after. Uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, Douglas on Twitter who mentioned, let me just pull up the name here, Derek Laxdahl as, as somebody that he brought up that could be maybe an under-the-radar coaching candidate for the Winnipeg Jets. Currently an assistant coach with the Dallas Stars, but he's won championships with Edmonton in the dub and with the Idaho Steelheads in the ECHL. So, eh, it's an interesting name to kind of maybe tuck away if he interviews well with the Jets, if he gets the opportunity. But thanks for everybody else that gave out some names as well. The one thing that's kind of sticky with me as, as we move forward here with the coaching search is that if the Winnipeg Jets are not able to bring Dolphins' finest home and, and Barry Trotz chooses a different location or a different job, in the NHL next season. I feel, I preemptively feel so freaking bad for whoever the coach is that does come in, right? Like expectations are so sky high that Trotz is going to be the guy. Barry Trotz is going to be the savior and he's going to be the one to turn this organization around that if he doesn't come in, it's it's going to feel like a downer and depressing for whoever the name is that's brought in instead of him, right? Like that, there is a little bit of whoever the guy is. If it's not Trot, he's going to be behind the eight ball. So, so there's that part of it too, right? Where if you miss out on the home run higher, it's going to feel like, oh, the offseason's off to a bit of an underwhelming start. And, and I totally understand that. And there's no doubt that Trot's would be the perfect fit. And, it, and it's totally within the Winnipeg Jets' best interest to whatever his demands are, acquiesce to those if, if it's management and, and you want to slice and team and roster control go right ahead if you want to if you want to ride if, if you want to be the headlining act at country fest this summer absolutely like whatever it takes find a way to get him in I'm, I'm totally in that board but I will say this if the Jets don't get Barry Trotz it's also not the end of the world because there are some good up-and-coming assistant coaches there are some some guys that have more experience in the NHL behind the bench that I think would do a good job here in Winnipeg. So let's just keep that in the back of our heads here. Let's keep that in mind that if Trotz doesn't come to town, you know what, the Jets can still find a way to turn this around and get back to the dance next year. But at the same time, bring Barry freaking Trotz home if you can, Chevy. Please find a way to do that. Make it back-to-back offseason champs. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, now, the other part that we'll touch on quickly here before we wrap it up is the NHL Draft Lottery came to an end earlier this week. The Montreal Canadien go from Stanley Cup finalist to first overall draft pick. Shane Wright will be heading over to Montreal in a couple weeks' time. New Jersey jumps ahead again, finding their way into the top two. And the Winnipeg Jets stand pat. No big surprise there. No real chance in moving up. 
they will pick 14th overall in this year's draft. Now, as we get closer to the draft, we'll obviously take a look at potential names. Should they make the pick? Should they move the pick? All that stuff. We'll get more in-depth into it here. But I just thought it would be interesting to take a look at some of the potential candidates that the Winnipeg Jets could be taking and which direction they, they should be going if they decide ultimately to make the pick. Now, the Jets have been really fortunate not every year, but a lot of years over the past several here in the first round where they've sat where they are in the first round and watched a high-end talent drop to them. I mean, Kyle Connor was maybe the first example of that, that you have Cole Perfetti, potential top five pick, dropping to them at number 10. And then even Chaz Lucius this, this past year, dropping them when the Winnipeg Jets were in the teens. You know, a guy that a lot of people thought was a potential top 10 pick. They've had some good fortune with high-end talent dropping to them in the draft. Unfortunately, I don't think the dream scenario for a lot of people is going to come true. And, and that's that Winnipeg Ice wonder kid, Matt Savoie, is going to drop to the Winnipeg Jets at 14. I, I, I think the luck is going to run out there. A lot of mocks seem to be putting him as a borderline top five pick. I don't think he drops further than sixth or seventh, to be honest. So unless the Jets want to make a move up, an aggressive move up, unfortunately, it looks like Matt Savoie is not going to be in the cards for the Jets. But, conveniently enough, there is another Winnipeg Ice forward who is going to be in the mix for the Jets at 14. That's Connor Geeky. And the Ice are playing right now, and they're doing a hell of a job in their series. And, and Geeky himself has had a tremendous, tremendous season as well. Uh, but that would be a pretty tantalizing pick if he fell to the Jets at 14. Because, you know, at, at least from a... Like, from an attributes perspective, he checks off all the boxes that teams look for in a number one centerman, right? Like, he's a big, big cat. He's 6'4", 205 already. I mean, it's not hard to imagine he's going to be 6'4", 6'5", 220 in about four or five years. A point-of-game guy as well. He's obviously got a ton of skill. He's got eight points in nine playoff games for the ice as they continue their playoff run right now, that would be a tremendous pick for the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't think it would also necessarily take a big fall for Connor Geeky to drop to them at number 14. The one guy that I, I really, 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 really like, and he didn't have the best season this year, but I would say let's just keep an eye on him as we, as we move forward. And I don't know how many people are necessarily familiar with this guy, but... A name that I would really like to see come to Winnipeg is Brad Lambert. A very unfinished name, but he's played in Finland for the past few seasons. And he played for Finland at the World Juniors a few years ago. And that's where he made his first big jump on the scene. As a 16-year-old for Finland, he was their best player when they went deep into the tournament a couple years back. And he's had a bit of a up-and-down run since then. But, you know, when he was 16 and, and played as well as he did for Finland, a lot of people thought he might be a top top three pick at the very least. Maybe maybe the guy behind Shane Wright in the draft. And it hasn't gone as well as it could be for him. But that's the kind of guy, that's the, that's the home run swing I like teams to take when they're outside the top 10. He's a top 10 talent who hasn't necessarily had it work out for him so far these past couple of years. But he's been playing pro He's been playing against men in a different league. He's got high-end skating ability and a ton of skill to go along with it. 
I don't mind taking that risk at 14. Hey, maybe at, you know, six or seven, it's a different story. But where the Jets are, that that that's the guy that I would really like to see them go after. And we know Chevy hasn't been afraid to dip into the, the finish pool in the first round these past couple of years as well. I uh, would love to know who you guys think would be a nice fit for the Jets at 14. And would love to know, I guess, two things too, right? One would be if the Jets keep the pick. You know, which position would you like them to go? Are, are like when you look at the the cupboards right now for the Jets prospects, should they continue to replenish and restock their defensemen? Should they maybe make a move up front? Would you stay away from wingers and focus on centermen? Or is it just straight up best player available and whoever the best guy is, whatever position he plays, that's where you go with it. Me, I always tend to go BPA. You know, that's that's when teams tend to... Whenever you chase a position, that's when teams tend to bust on their first-round selections. So whoever that guy is, if you think he's going to be a top-line forward or a top-line defenseman, regardless of who's on your team and positions and all that, that's the guy that you go after and get it done. That's how I always lean with this. The other part is... Should they even make the pick, <laughs> right? Should the Winnipeg Jets, with where they're at right now and, and trying to get back into contention, should they be looking more so to move the pick for immediate help right now as opposed to somebody that could help the franchise in, let's be realistic, three to four years down the road? That's another topic that we'll get into. I always, I mean, I if, if you've been listening, you know I'm leaning towards moving that pick as opposed to picking even if Brad Lambert's available at 14 because I think there's a way that you can package that up with something else on this roster and get yourself something that's going to help you this year and for years to come moving down the road. But would love to get your early thoughts on that 14th overall pick for the Winnipeg Jets, who's somebody you're looking at, and would you potentially look to package that pick for some help for next season as well. But that's going to do it. We'll call it a wrap for the week here on Skates and Plates. And, uh, We'll put an end, we'll put a bow to it right there. Thank you guys so much for listening once again and stopping by right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it on Tuesday morning and we'll go from the coaching search to some personnel decisions that the Winnipeg Jets have to make. Obviously, some RFAs on the board, some free agents as well. We'll dip into that a little bit and, of course, we'll have to talk about whatever happens between the Toronto Bay Police and the Tampa Bay Lightning with Game 7 on tap Saturday night. And we'll take a look at the rest of the fallout from the first round because, let's face it, there's going to be some coaches and some players that are going to be on the block and heading out of their their teams and their locations depending on the results that we see in the first round. And, and we'll take a look at how that impacts the Winnipeg Jets as well. But until then, we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Once again, thank you for listening to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Have a safe weekend. Enjoy your weekend as well. Take it easy. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Until then, peace.